Gas Life, Chapter 10 My vision is hazy when I start to come round, and I have to blink several times to see where I am. I try to move, but it hurts all over. Don't move. Blinking hard, I see that I'm surrounded by the mudlarks from the docks. You're not dead, then. It's the boy who threw me the bread roll. I search my brain for his name. Dylan, that's it. A few of them chuckle. They're huddled around a tiny fire. It's smoky and the air is heavy and choking. I don't think so. My lips feel dry and cracked, but I just about manage a smile. I know I'm in good company with this lot. How are you feeling? I'm feeling lots of things. Dazed, confused, angry, excited. In the end, I go with... Sore. They hoot with laughter at that. Here, take this. He hands me a bottle of something that smells like poison. It's brandy. Get it down you before I change my mind and drink it myself. Hesitantly, I take a sip. It burns my lips, sends flames down my gullet and my stomach makes a huge rumbling sound. That's disgusting. Suit yourself. He takes it back and necks a huge glug. Where am I? I kind of recognise the place, or feel as if I should, but my brain isn't functioning normally yet. Don't try to speak if it hurts, you idiot. He jibes, then winks, and takes another slug. You're in the tunnel. It's a handy place to hide out. I look around me and realise that of course that's where we are. Everything is green and cream tiles, clean and polished new. The scent of the sea laces the smoke and I feel the river pounding above our heads. We're making the most of it before they finish it, aren't we lads? He gets a cheer from the other boys. Oi, Dylan, don't forget about the girls. I recognise that voice. It's Mabel Jones. I wonder what she's doing here and if she's about to say something catty as she usually does. She comes over to speak. To me. You're safe here. Sid doesn't know where you are. If I had the energy, my eyes would gawk out on sticks. I forgot how rife gossip is in the docks. Dylan puts his arm around Mabel and she pretends to shrug it off. Mabel saw you climb up the bank. She came to get us so we could bring you here and make you safe. I'm not so bad after all. Now, am I? She takes Dylan's brandy and has a swig without reacting. I guess she's more used to drinking it than I am. She has a huge red mark up her cheek. I wonder if her mother has given her a beating again. Thank you. I mean it too. I tried to let her know that with two words. Just don't expect me to be nice all the time is all. She gives me her usual nasty stare, then takes the arm of a girl who can be no more than seven and walks off down the tunnel with her. I can hear her start telling a story about a girl who went off to an island far away and made up all her own rules. I'm guessing from the way she speaks to the girl that she is her little sister. I think I can understand why Mabel is so prickly all the time.
I need to try harder to be nice. But not to everyone. I think of Sid and it feels as if someone has tightened a belt around my head and is pulling hard. Tears well up in my eyes, but I won't shed them. I have to be strong and make a plan. I'm not alone in this world, as I had been led to believe. My anger threatens to consume me again, but I need to use it properly. I test out my body. My head feels as if someone has sawed the top of it off and exposed my brain to the air. It's excruciating. The part of my face where Sid hit me with his cane is swollen and sore, and even though it is dark, I can see my cheekbone in my peripheral vision, which is strange. I'm covered with a thick woolen blanket, so I can't see my ankle, but I know it is bad, and I can't move it an inch without pain. The rest of my body aches and twinges, but it feels as if I will recover. I'm fortunate to be here at all. By rights, I should have been swept away by the current to the sea. I know that I'm stronger than the water now. The clang of the church bells echo through the tunnel. That's it, you lot. One of the tunnel miners has turned up for a day's digging. Out you go. He has a kindly face. And he worried when he sees me. Dear Lord. This one's needs a doctor. I'll be fine, thank you. I can't risk seeing a doctor. What if Sid gets word of it? What if he knows I'm still alive? I try to get up but the pain is excruciating. And I cry out before I can stop myself. I should report you lot to the coppers. The man with a kind face shakes his head at me and the mudlarks who are collecting up their things. Take this, but bring it back later, you hear me? He pushes a cart towards us and I'm hoisted in and wheeled outside. The pain is too much, but having these people be so kind to me makes me manage it. They keep forcing tots of brandy on me and even though I hate the taste, it does start to numb my body so I can relax. Where do you want to be taken, my lady? That's Dylan pretending to be posh, and I want to laugh, but I'm afraid I'll crumple. I don't have anywhere to go. We come out into the early dawn of Tiger Bay. The sun is rising in a rose-pink glow this morning. I may be broken, but it is beautiful, and I feel it deep inside. A new day is here, and I have a new life because now I have hope. Give us a minute. Most of the mudlarks have scattered already, but a few are still hanging about, and Dylan huddles with them in a circle. They're obviously talking about me, because they look over their shoulders every now and again. Eventually, they turn to me to share their plan. There's a ship. Jimmy's working on it. Dylan is obviously the spokesperson for this bunch. A boy who I guess must be Jimmy stands forward and looks proud of himself. It's docked for a few weeks. Storm damage. Lots of holes in the keel and bow. It's a wonder it's still floating with Jimmy working on it. One of the girls shouts and then runs off in a flurry of shawls and laughter. We can hide you there for a bit while you get better. You can see... 
they're all proud of their idea. There's a room where we keep our stuff. No one will tell on you, because I'm in charge, see? Jimmy's chest swells with pride as he says this. It sounds perfect. It really does. I need somewhere to sleep and gather my strength. But I need to save B and get my things and... My head spins and I can't think straight. They take over then. I'm wheeled to the ship and carried up the gangplank with kindly hands under my arm and feet. I can see its masts cutting the orange-pink sky above the crow's nest, the wind teasing the sails, birds preening themselves on the rigging. I'm carried down into a cabin below deck and placed on a bunk, while Jimmy collects the tools his team will need and leaves me there with a swaying glass of water at my side. It smells of oil and wood in here, but my berth is warm and safe, and the gentle rock of the waves beneath me drifts me into sleep. I don't know how long I slept, but I feel dazed and sick. The ship, which has sucked and reeled beneath me in my nightmares, is swaying very gently, and there are comforting creaks all round. There is a breeze from somewhere, and it carries the sounds of the outside in. I can hear horses and carts, conversation and footsteps, the slide and lap of the water against the dark wall and against the hull. Someone is humming a tune. I blink hard against the pain in my temples and open my eyes, squinting. Nancy! It's B. She rushes at me as if she's going to hug me, then stops short as she realises that it would probably hurt me. B! I pull her to me anyway, wincing at the pain, but so relieved to see her that it's worth it. How did you know where I was? The mudlarks told me. She is beaming. Don't worry. No one else knows. I feel a judder of fear as I think of Sid. It quickly turns to fury. I can't stay long. I have to get back. I have to... B starts coughing, and once she starts, she can't stop. She bangs her chest with her fist, then holds a piece of cloth to her mouth. She tries to hide it, but I can see that it is streaked with blood. How long have you been ill? When I take her in properly, she looks sickly, with huge dark wells under her eyes and dry patches all over her skin. Her hair, which is usually, which usually shoots straight out from her head, is limp and frazzled. I'm fine. It's just a cold. She's always brave. It's one of the many things I love about her. It's since you made that dress, isn't it? I try not to let the cold hatred bleed out in my voice, but the air turns sour anyway. I brought you these. My books. My books. My books. I clutch them to me with such joy I'm afraid they may be pulped by the force of my love. I lay them out in my chrysalis of blankets and run my fingers over their covers, feeling the indents of the lettering, the comfort of their familiarity on my skin. I know they aren't mine really, and I will return them one day, but for now they are a light when everything else is dark. B, there's something I have to tell you. I don't know how to tell her everything, but I have to start somewhere, and I need to get it out like pus from an infected scab. Sid killed Constance. Blurting it out brings all the shock back. He throttled her. She's dead. 
I saw her body. He said she went away. B looks utterly horrified. Perhaps she trusted him as I did. Once. I saw her. With my own two eyes. Believe me. She nods solemnly. He chased me. Him and Gassy Jack. He did this to me. And then Jack threw me in the river to drown. He's more evil than we thought. I mean... I mean, I knew... My voice collapses, but I bring it back. My mother is alive, B. The icicle in my throat threatens to stab its way out. She is alive, and I'm going to find her. And when I find her, we will go away from all this. Do you hear me? Her eyes are saucers. I think she fears I'm suffering with delirium. I don't know where she is, but I intend to find her. Sid has been keeping her from me. I pause to let everything sink in. He thinks I'm dead now? She nods again. Then we have that on our side. I pat the bed beside me and stack the books in a pile against me so there is room for her to sit. Life is going to be different, B. I promise you. I hold her close to me. I can tell from the stains on her fingertips that there has been more than one violet night dress. Between nightmares and dreams, I've been hatching a plan to get me into that theatre so I can find out where my mother is somehow. I need to build my strength up. We huddle down together in that gently swaying room and read the story of the Snow Queen. Snowflakes dance around us in fluttering white wings. B reads slowly, sounding out each word. When we were in the grip of the story, she asked me to take over so we can find out what happens more quickly. I read how the robber girl helps Gerda to escape, and as she rushes towards the northern lights on the back of a reindeer, the ice inside me starts to thaw, and the world is filled with light and possibility. The robber girl can change her ways and become good, and I will do the same. I will be the girl I always was meant to be. As I turn the pages, I imagine writing the story of my own life and how it will change with each new chapter. <laughs>